Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 419, and today we'll be talking about Echoes of the Past from the Owl House. I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. Apologies if you hear a train coming by. I live right by a train. And we all miss Infinity Train, don't we, Soren? Um, yeah, when I watch it, I will miss it. But your aim will get better. Oh my god, that's right, that joke. That ca- that joke couldn't have been from Gravity Falls, right? Like, I'm pretty sure Alex Hurst, like, nabbed the joke from somewhere else. Like, that's a classic oh, yes, wife sure. bad joke. That's, that's an old one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've heard, like, my dad say it at least once. As for echoes of the past. Yeah, that's right. Let's. L- 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 how many cartoons do we have to mention? You want me to summarize it for us? Um. Let me take a shot at it, and if it's unsatisfactory, okay. we can. Go for it. I'll chime in. I'll chime in. So uh, this is third episode of season two, and uh, we begin with King telling us his usual backstory of being the king of demons. However, uh, Hootie and Lilith do not really believe him. Um, they think it's bogus and loose, while she doesn't really believe it either. Plays along because he's a little baby with little baby stories, and it's like, why not play along with their fantasy? However, King says that he has proof and can take them to the island where he came from. That's the island where Ida found him some eight years ago. So they fly and fly and find a mysterious island obscured by fog that isn't on any of the maps. And as they approach the ruins on the island, they enter and are exploring it. King is regaling his tales about being the king of demons, which somewhat match up with the carvings on the walls. They get attacked by some mysterious, fleshy stone beast, and are saved last minute by Ida, who saw where they were going and knew that they would be in danger. They escape, and Ida tells King the true story of his past. Uh, he was a little baby when she found him, and was building little statues of the monster that was chasing them, and she brought him home, thinking he was like a dog or some other animal. Um, it turns out he's a demon that could speak, and so she gave him the name King because he really liked that word, and told him stories about how he was a mighty king in charge of subjects, and he took them to heart instead of understanding that it was make-believe. King has a breakdown about Ida lying to him and maintaining the lie for so long, understandably. Luce finds him again and talks him into going back into the ruins to try and find more answers of his past. They avoid the beast, and they go up a chute to a mysterious room where there are eggshells on the ground. King puts on the chunk of his missing horn, which Ida has been holding onto this whole time, and remembers that he was in an egg, that he had a father that called him son, and that the monster was actually his caregiver. They open the doors to the monster, and the caregiver listens to his commands. King writes on his dog collar, the medallion, the sigil that is seen in the ruins multiple times, that like weird circular, like a circuit symbol. And we have another mystery about the origins of King. It doesn't actually answer all of the questions, but it was a pretty significant development in both his character and in the plot story revolving him as well. And, and even now, we, uh, we still don't know yeah, exactly, like, much about his past. To, well, we know a little bit more. Like, for example, if you... Okay, first of all, if you are not caught up with season two, catch up now because we're going to spoil the heck out of the ending. King is actually a very, very tiny baby titan. And the warriors on the wall that had the skull on their heads were not actually 
him or his relatives, they were Titan trappers who tried to kill Titans. And what they were fighting was his kin. I don't know about that. I'm just looking at the big mural. I, I saved a screenshot of it because it's just so fascinating. Yes. That thing that is breathing fire on that one warrior doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. And in fact, that thing on its chest kind of looks almost like a like a twinkling star. I'm wondering if this could actually be not a Titan Trapper, but an actual Titan fighting. So this could be King's dad fighting the Collector's dad, basically. Would be, uh, <laughs> one of my far-out conspiracy theories. Now that's a theory. Um, They look, I, I don't know, it's just the armor and the fact that they have, like, human hands and a body and no tail and a cape, right? Well, the the Titan skeleton has a human-looking hand as well. Right, so that so... could mean the giant thing that they're fighting is also a Titan. Well, the giant thing they're fighting only has three fingers. I can't even see evidence of a thumb. Yeah, it might just be up to artistic. I mean, King only has three fingers. Well, he has two fingers and a thumb, but it's it's like two claws and a thumb, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what's going on at all. I mean, there seems to be great variation among titans uh depending on how like animalistic their head is if they have a tail how many fingers they have that sort of thing because the boiling isles i think we do see a hand and it has five fingers i'm going to the yeah it's at the end of uh oh yeah you'll see the same picture but the picture is from the end of episode two where ida and king are showing lucy the boiling isles aren't so bad if you Zoom way, way out and don't deal with any of the people who actually live there. Yeah, looks like five fingers and a thumb. Or four fingers and a thumb. Interesting. So yeah, my my head canon is, is that this mural actually depicts a proper titan fighting a fully grown whatever the collector is. And um, nothing will ever dissuade me from that, no matter what facts that season three brings. Cause... <laughs> yeah, you'll incorporate that into your belief system. Truth is, truth is knowing something deep in your gut and holding on to it no matter what the other facts say. Very Ronaldo. Although I, I do think that from what the, the revelation they had in the, the Titan Trapper episode, I don't think that this is meant to be a proper Titan. But I keep going back to, like, wait, these guys were all up in this castle such that they were graffitiing the place, but they never thought to go up to the roof. Only King could open it. Mm, the but there was a hole like there was there was moonlight shining into there so if any of these guys had a palisman they could have easily gotten into king's chamber in fact i was wondering why did they not go up and see because the tower is obviously damaged I, I was a little bit surprised that none neither lilith nor Luz went up to try to get in from the top they're all like no let's fight that thing at the bottom it might be that the tree covering was too thick they couldn't get to it like, completely overgrown. Uh, and, like, no, you wouldn't the... know which hole in the canopy is actually a hole into the birthing room. And they might not have known that the egg was in there. In the absolute worst-case scenario, they could have gotten... They could have went to the periphery of the island and gone over the canopy because the tower is visible from the sea. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, this is just rule of cool. We're just gonna have to accept that. Sometimes characters do things because it's more interesting. Yes. I do think you're digging in a little bit deeper <laughs> than most people would. I I just think that, you know, as cool as the moonlight looks, maybe they could have had it be from some illuminating stone rather than from a skylight. 
Yeah, but the skylight is so cool. They could have got the same look without it, though. I'm just saying. Call me Mr. Quibblepants here. Yeah, you are Mr. Quibblepants. Mistal Quibblepants. That's hard to say. Okay. Um. Yeah, this was definitely a very plot and backstory-heavy episode. I enjoyed it very much, but it's also a very character-heavy episode. Oh, yes. This one puts King through the ringer, and it's kind of like bringing me down, bro. Yeah. Um. Once again, I say this every episode, props to Alex Hirsch for not only phenomenal voice acting, but phenomenal voice acting at a register that's hard for even me to reach. It is quite difficult on the vocal cords to be hitting voices like that, and he does it, and really convincingly. Like, you do believe that King is just a little child. Like a third grader, right? And I do like how they keep that consistent with his characterization throughout the show. He really is, like, eight to nine years old, you know? Like, he has an earlier bedtime than Luz. She looks after him like he was a little sibling. They even call each other kind of siblings later on. This season, you do see a lot of development where Luz, King, and Ida have, like, accepted that they care about each other and now are, like, you know, playing along with the idea that they're, you know, kind of a found family and that they they call each other, like, related family words. Like, you know, Ida says, Ida talks about being a mom or, like, giving parenting tips. And King talks about Luce like he's his sister. He even calls her that. And so I do like them kind of, you know, choosing these roles for themselves to kind of communicate how they care about each other and who is kind of in charge of taking care of who because Ida is feeding Luce. <laughs> You know, like, she's actually putting quite a, a bit of effort into making sure that Luz is getting enough food, which at the beginning she was not. But Luz still has to go through all the trouble of caring for a sick parent, so it goes two ways. Yeah, I mean, Ida is... Yeah, her condition definitely gets more severe at this point, but... I don't know, it's really sweet. It's really touching how these characters interact in this show. Um, I'm never tired of seeing it. So, you know, as as touching as King's little... I mean, you could really feel for the guy. Yeah. Uh, I did have one uh, a quibble with your description of the the episode summary, though. Okay. Which part? Ida did not tell King that he, you know, she didn't tell the stories about him that you did this. She's saying, okay, you, you think you're a king, huh? Well, let me tell you about kings. So she was telling him what kings are like, probably part of her anti-authority bent is why king has such a negative view of what a king is is because you know to for ida a king is a tyrant a king is not the legitimate ruler of the territory this is some guy who's telling you what to do <laughs> just some guy i think king and his race is a little bit beyond just being some guy well all, all king has to go on for what a king is about is what ida's taught him so she's probably telling him everything she hates about Belos in this is what kings are like yeah, so that's why King dreams of being a tyrant, not of being a benevolent ruler. Yeah, I mean, Bellos specifically goes by the Emperor label, probably because he's, like, was super into Rome, because he seems to be a scholar. Oh yeah, British British people of that time. I, I know it was super in fashion in the 1800s, but colonialism, like, learned, learned people of that era were all about the Roman yeah. Empire. And so. my, my bet... And I'll probably go further into this on a later episode that actually has to do with Philip, but I think that he was a very educated Puritan, like very nerd, and maybe his brother was very jock. <laughs> and so I bet that he is bilingual in at least Latin, although probably also Italian, and has read Dante's Inferno. Isn't bellos a Latin word? Maybe. 
means beautiful. I I, I remember that. <laughs> That's ironic. I didn't know that. Because he has this ugly face, so he picks Emperor Beautiful. Yeah, I bet for sure that he's not only, like, a massive Bible-thumping Puritan, but he's also very, like, church-educated. I bet he's read Dante's Inferno, which hadn't really been translated to English until after his time. You know, I bet, you know, reciting the Bible from memory. I mean, the way he named the covens is very reminiscent of the fact that it was probably named by a Christian who thinks he's in hell. Because he calls them demons, he calls the the type of magic abominations. Like they don't they don't use the word mm. abomination in the boiling aisles casually to refer to something that's like wrong or unholy. It's just to like the gooey slimy monsters. <laughs> and he was like, That's an abomination. I'm naming the entire coven after that word. Which is really funny. I love just kind of like theorizing about the little cultural influences that Philip has had on the boiling aisles over the last four hundred years. But uh, I, I did like how King, at the end of the episode you mentioned, he carves the, the sigil onto his little collar thing, and we find out later that that hides him from the collector's sight. But he found that sigil on the outside of the, the tower, so the entire tower was hidden from the collector's sight. Yeah, that might also be the whole island was hidden by the trappers. Because if they were using the collector to navigate or if the Collector was giving them leads on where to go. Yep, the Great Huntsman. Yeah, they may not have been able to get to the island at all, and the it's not actually graffiti, it's carvings, it's just historical carvings. Yeah, so these these would have been drawn by the Titans or their minions, not by the, not by the Trappers themselves. I, I do wonder, though, that it's very suspicious, the, the timing of the island revealing itself. It, it reveals itself just as they're like, hey, maybe we should call ourselves done for now. And then all of a sudden it just shows up. And the way King had all described it, well, I always find it when I'm looking for it. So again, it seems like the island shows up when and where it pleases. Maybe. A little bit of a conspiracy there as well. Yeah, but then it's like, how did Ida find them? Well, clearly it needed somebody to raise King, because I don't know how he was eating. I, I mean, I know we saw him catch that fly, but he's way too big to be subsisting on the odd fly here or there. He's He needs protein. I bet he's dug up some, like, termite mounds, or... Like, the caretaker probably caught animals that wandered inside for him, and he mm. just ate, like, I don't know, raw rabbits. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if John Luke would have been able to provide for him much longer. So I think it's a good thing that Ida showed up. Yeah, and it's also a wonder of like how much time did he spend in those ruins before Ida found him? Because we always call King eight, but he's yeah, he's he's actually eight plus question mark. We don't know how old he was at the time. Eight eight plus N. N being the amount of time spent in the ruins. If he's old enough to start speaking, he's probably two. Yeah, he could be anywhere from like exactly eight and was like born you know, right before Ida found him, or he could be, you know, closer to 10 or 11 years old. I mean, I'd still place him closer to 8 or 9, just because of, like, how he is acts developmentally, but he's also not even human, so who knows? He could be any yeah. age the writers want him to be. Well, I mean, and again, we see from the Boiling Isles that sometimes Titans just hit that growth spurt. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if we're gonna see him get, like, a big growth spurt during the show. I would really, really like it. Because I know cartoons love their status quo, but this show has been very much, like, for changing the status quo often and repeatedly. Like, they already gave 
him as Hornback, and in a later episode, they show that his voice is changing. So I would love to see like a slightly older king, or even an idea of what he might look like as an adult. No, I, I find another quibble about the horn. By the way, there's no way the horn would fit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I know He's that. been growing for. I years. know that's not horn. That's not how horns work. He would have like because the horn would have kept growing. It would be bigger than when he was young. Otherwise, his horns would become comically small as he grew up, and that's not how it works. Apparently, yeah, the little like chunk on the top. I'm pretty sure, like after eight years, he would have grown new horns. Like, they would have yeah. shed off the outer layers and grown from the inside. I'm pretty sure that's how true horns work. But when I when I first watched the episode, I'm like, well, we, we have an upper limit on the size of an adult titan based on the size of that doorway. But the more I think of this setup, I think it's not a place where a titan lives. It's a titan's incubation chamber. Hence yeah. all of the John Luke caretakers. So an adult titan can be as big as we want it to be. So the... The Boiling Isles Titan could be fully representative, in which case, hats off to the Trappers for fighting these guys. Holy cow, they put in work. I mean, it might be that his dad was, like, King of Titans, oldest of the kind, right? Like, Alpha Titan. And that not all Titans reach that size, right? It takes them maybe, like, tens of thousands of years. Look, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm certain I've seen this before, but there has to be Attack on Titan-style, like, flight pack art for the titan trappers that that has to exist where they have those like those little backpacks that um what would make them fly they were not backpacks they were much much worse they were like these weird hip yes yes they're on the attachments right and i'm just like sitting down going through doorways must be a flipping nightmare for them like what an inconvenient like they couldn't put it in the backpack they have something wrong with backpacks they had to put it on their hips it was weird. And also, since it's like cables... You gotta admit, it looks awesome. And if we're talking about rule of cool, then I'm going to allow it. Especially because it's an anime. I don't think they look cool. I think they look stupid. I think they should have... Like, if they wanted it to be based on the hips, because that's where, like, the center of gravity is, sure. Sure. But why did they have to be straight? Right? For the swords to have their sheaths? Hmm. You, then it, they wouldn't need to be that big. Crying out loud. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> There's lots of criticism to be had for Attack on Titan, but it has absolutely nothing to do with this show. Despite a, a, a common it, it, name. It makes it has everything to do with the show because we need the Titan Trappers to be wearing these things if they're gonna fight back against a properly sized Titan. Um I think it was made pretty obvious that they're not that cool. Yeah. They are <laughs> kind of dorks. Right? Like their leader is, you know, a tiny little goblin man who <laughs> lies all the time to his subjects. And their grand huntsman is let's just face it he's kind of a nerd yeah yeah interesting i oh, i can't wait to see what king looks like as he gets older like please 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 i am dying to see what king looks like as he grows Kipo in the age of wonder beasts had a time skip at the very end hopefully we'll get a few minutes of time skip for the owl house if only if only to make mark's canon uh, appearances for the young adult Hex Squad canon. Yes, please. I love show. Listen, if a show is going to be about children or teenagers, you have to show them growing up. That's what coming of age is all about. You know, this is very much like Luce's whole storyline and a good portion of King's storyline is coming of age, right? The whole, like, they've been doing this trope for literally thousands of years. So, like, I want to see them physically grow up on top of all this, like, emotional development and maturity that they've been having you know like 
they've mentioned it multiple times that both Lewis and King are in the midst of puberty. You know, I, I'd love to see them a little older. I'd love to see how they mature. Yeah. Well, cross your fingers and hope. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the new Owl House will be built on King if he gets that big. Interesting. He is the new Owl House. No, he's the ground upon which the new Owl House is built. Sure. Should we end it there? Yeah, I don't I don't have much. Besides, like, a couple moments in this episode where they just had, like, little shots of, like, really good animation. I, I liked the blink and you'll miss it thing where the, when they're going in to fight Jean-Luc to distract him, mm-hmm. uh, they the first potion they throw in has a note from Eda on it. It's just her, like, pulling down her eyelid and going, Nyeh. <laughs> and it has a love Eda written on it. Yes. That was nice. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Echoes of the Past. Join us next week. We should finally be talking about the season one finale. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. Leave us a comment or a review. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.